that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Back to a Saturday Buckeye talk. We're echoey. We're echoey. We're in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. Doug Maurice is a football field, but it's a warehouse. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. There are probably people on the other side of the curtain like, who? What is this? A podcast? Yeah, that's all we do. We're podcasters. Ohio State finished their interviews at Big Ten Media Days on Friday. We are going to get in our car. It's recording this 5 p.m. on Friday. We have to get in our car and drive back to Columbus, but we're doing this first. We're dropping it to you Saturday morning. Doug, Nathan, Stephen. We talked to Zach Harrison, Jeremy Ruckert, Thayer Munford, and Ryan Day. We gained information, so we want to pass along. We're going to dump a lot of information on you. I made notes while we were, you know, sort of talking to Ryan Day, what he's talking about. Let's start with the quarterback competition. Steven, I think I can't, you asked about it. I think I, maybe Nathan asked about it too. I mean, everybody's kind of asking about it. Bottom line, Steven, two, second week, is that no. right? Second week of August. Camp officially starts August 3rd. Sounds like about two weeks in, Ryan Day wants to know his quarterback is. Which has been his philosophy. It was the same thing, even though the circumstances were different in 2019 when we were asking him, when do, would you like to publicly be able to say who your starting quarterback is? And I'm, I'm pretty sure he said week two then. Obviously, those circumstances are different than they are now. But, yeah, that makes sense that you would want it in week two because that gives you a couple of weeks to prepare, especially given this situation where it is a brand-new guy. You want to get him as many first-team reps as possible. So he would like for somebody to claim the job by then, but he's not opposed to it going further than that if needed be. I mean, I think he's a little po- opposed to it. I mean, like – so camp is August 3rd, the first game September 4th, and you have the game week of practice that they'll start seven days before September 4th. So, I mean, if you do it two weeks in, it's like halfway of camp, right? Because that last week before the Minnesota game is not camp anymore. So I, I think it makes sense. Nathan, he was talking about somebody said, are you kind of nervous to have this rookie quarterback that's going to play at Minnesota? And he said something about, yeah, I'm nervous about playing a young quarterback. There's a lot of sleepless nights. He's sort of saying, like, I'm, I'm nervous all the time. He, he did mention some things like that. How nervous do you think he really is? Like, we don't – it's hard to get a vibe. This is a vibe question. Do you think he feels pretty good about the quarterback situation, or do you think he's actually like, man, you know, they're pretty young? I think he's probably confident in the, the long-term um, fit for a, a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, he thinks these guys will be good quarterbacks in the long term. I think he's also just realistic about any time you're dealing with a young quarterback – it's a much more uncertain situation. And as we know, this isn't the 12-team playoff yet. It's still the 14-team playoff world. And Purdue, or I'm sorry, Ohio State knows all too well what happens when you lose one game because of, because of Purdue and Iowa that we were just talking about as we walked over to this table. So it's it's I, I think he knows that, that one loss, one one night where your, your freshman quarterback isn't all the way there yet. One little wrinkle. I mean, he talked about that even with like the kicking game, right? He was asked like why they went and got Noah Ruggles, and it's because, well, I think a game could come down to a field goal this year because we're dealing with a first-year quarterback. I mean, it's just the reality that you have less margin for error in 2021 than you did in 2020, and I would say even 2019 when you had Justin Fields. Doug, I don't have kids. You do, so I'm going to ask you this question and relay it to what's going on right now. When your first child took off the training wheels of her bike, how did you feel watching her ride down and try to ride that bike? Yeah, nervous. Okay. I think that's how he feels because the training wheels have been – they've never thrown a pass in a football game. Oh, I thought you were going to say, what about the second kid? Because the second oh, yeah. kid what, we, what, 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 we, The problem is, is, right, what about the second kid? We just kicked her down the driveway okay. to figure it out. <laughs> the second kid in this situation came first, and that was Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow because you just – yeah, go ahead. You've been here for three years. You got this. While with this situation, it's almost like having your first kid where you're a little bit nervous with everything that happens because you've never done it before. And I don't know, not to go on for a complete tangent, but like he says this stuff all the time about how like, oh, I can't sleep at night. He said it a lot last year and it seemed like made sense during COVID, but he seems like he says it for any decision, right? It's like, oh, we got a bunch of first year players, first and second year players. I can't sleep at night. And like, oh, we got some things to figure out in the secondary. I can't sleep at night. So how many hours a year does Ryan Day sleep? It seems like not many if he's, if he's accurate. I mean, the the thing he was talking about sort of with that again is that between the, the the second year guys who didn't get a lot of reps last year, who were basically like first year guys for lack of game reps and just mispractices, and the first year guys, I think he said they have forty five guys yep. on the roster, mm-hmm. and and that he says that's he said that that's scary, right? That now again that applies to everybody, but for instance, and this is something that we'll certainly get into 
closer to September 4th, I think by Phil Steele's experience metric in his preseason magazine, Minnesota is the most experienced team in the country. P.J. Fleck on Thursday was talking about, we got fifth-year guys. We got sixth-year guys. We even got a seventh-year guy. It's like Minnesota has a guy on their team that, like, was playing college football when, like, C.J. Stroud was in elementary school. I mean, that's not exactly <laughs> – but, I mean, like, Close. Th- there yeah. is going to be at least – and, again, quarterback will be that because Tanner Morgan's been around forever. Um, but Ohio State, you know, Zach Harrison and, and Ryan Day did say this, Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, Haskell Garrett, defensive line, they're, they're really experienced. Then he said, but linebacker, we're less experienced, although they're not young. They just haven't played much. So they are young. But the thing that I believe him about that is, like, they're young, but we don't have a margin for error. Because most other places, if you're really young, it's like, well, maybe this is a bump year. Maybe this is, if not a rebuilding year, people will understand if we're – 19th in the country instead of fifth. But like that doesn't exist at Ohio State. And he doesn't, he knows that. But I think, Nathan, that's where the ulcers yeah. and the sleepless nights come in because great, you're young, great, who cares? You're still expected to make the playoff. And I think the order of these games probably contributes to that too, right? Like if they were starting with Akron, it would be different than if they're starting with Minnesota and Oregon. I, you know, they have to be uh, on point to start this season in a way that they didn't. You know, last year was obviously completely messed up. But, you know, go back to 2019. They got to ease into it a little bit. Uh, Florida Atlantic, a Cincinnati team that wasn't quite as good as we thought they might be, at least on that day. Indiana, then what was it? Miami, Ohio. I mean, it was a, they got to kind of squash some people early on. They don't have that opportunity. Or maybe they end up will. They will, but it certainly doesn't look like it on paper. Yeah, and especially Oregon. I mean, it's like everyone's focused on Minnesota because Minnesota's experience. Oregon has good players. I mean, Minnesota's talent level is still not going to be there. The other thing about quarterback that he did bring up, and again, Stephen, it was one of your questions that sort of led him down this road. He he said things like, I want there to be um, quarterbacks who were here for like two, three, four years as a starter. We haven't had that experience since JT Barrett. And then he said something about like, I would like to say, I would like to say that the next quarterback is going to be here for three years. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it's not as easy as like, okay, here's your starting quarterback for three years. I would like it to be that easy, but ex- my experience says otherwise. He's making this the case because he he has this quarterback competition right now that they're going to go through again next year because Quinn Ewers is coming. And this goes back to I'm not saying – again, I lost the debate, right? When we did the Quinn Ewers, should they recruit Quinn Ewers podcast? And I was like, I have too many good quarterbacks. I lost. But when he talks like this, he's like, man, I wish we could just have a quarterback start for three years. And it's like, well, maybe you could if you stop recruiting five stars on top of every guy you already have. So, like, Stephen first, like, the idea of that is, like, he's saying these things. I know he doesn't actually mean it because you want the best guy every year. Talent, 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 talent. Mm-hmm. But he's bringing it up. And it's, but he's also created this world, uh, which is why when you say you lost, you didn't lose the battle. The battle wasn't, are they going to do it? Should they do it? And to the point, of, he's kind of wanting, trying to have his cake and eat it too. In this situation, you can't have the three-year starting quarterback and also recruit quarterbacks the, the, the way that you're recruiting them. Which is why I asked the question the way you did. It's where I was basically like, at some point, do you feel like you want to just have your guy? But with the way you're recruiting quarterbacks, is that kind of possible at this point? And we'll see with Quinn when he gets here next year if he's going to be a three-year starter or not. But you can't say in one vein, I would love to have a JT Barrett situation, but then also I want to play the best guy every single year because it got to a point where it didn't always feel like JT Barrett was the best guy every year. But then also they were very terrible at recruiting quarterbacks, which is why he was a three-year starter to begin with. Yeah, but – I think he can say that. I think he can establish that. It's just going to be with viewers. It won't, it might not be this year. It might still be a year away. I think what he's ultimately saying is I'm looking forward to Quinn Ewers coming here and being our starting quarterback for three years. But he also said, and again, he, he can't say anything but this. Steven, you were saying you're, you're like trying to find the right, right way to ask him the question. Yeah. And like there's no way to ask him the question. But part of the question, and you asked a version of it today is sort of like, what are you taking into account? with these quarterback battles, right? And he just said, we're playing the best guy, Mm -hmm. right? Which is because, again, it's more of a question for next year because as we've already had a whole podcast about, so we're not going to totally cover it, it's like next year would you maybe lean Ewers over the incumbent because you want to set Ewers up. You don't want to lose him even if Ewers is 20% behind the incumbent returning starter. Mm -hmm. Do you lean that way for the good of the program overall even if it gives you a 20% greater chance of losing a game in 2022? That is that I think we might be able to phrase a question to him that way next year. 
He's not going to answer it now because the question basically is like, is it possible that C.J. Stroud's the starting quarterback this year and you bench him next year? And he's like, oh, I'm not going to say that. Now. He's not going to yeah. say well, that until he has to. But, but the question that's also being asked, and I think uh, Bill Rabinowitz is the one who asked it today, and other people have asked it previously, I think, is does that affect who you're picking this year? I mean, does that factor in – basically between like can you pick Kyle McCord to be your starting quarterback this year? Because that's but, where you have an even greater conflict with, with Quinn Ewers. <sighs> But the idea, well, I mean, because he'll be here for three years, as opposed right. to maybe only two more for these right. other guys, right? But but also the bottom line is, Ewers is going to compete for the job next year, probably anyway. Right. So and there's no guarantee that C.J. Stroud's going to the NFL after three years. So I mean, uh, yes, there is a version. It's complicated, but it's too many good players. Hashtag too many good players is a great problem to have. But then he does say things like, "It makes me nervous. I wish," and it's like, well. Oh, don't, sorry. Don't go get the five star quarterback sorry, every year. You're, you're so good nervous. at recruiting quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we, second week, August 3rd is the start of camp. I think by like August 15th, Ohio State might have a starting quarterback. And My birthday. What a great present that would be. Yeah, it would be. And, and a, oh, what a great present. Hey, Nathan, you can't go out to dinner for your birthday because you have to write six stories about Ohio State naming its starting quarterback. I think it, that would – actually, that will be a Sunday, I think. Because isn't the third, I think, a Tuesday? I don't know what day your birthday's on. I'm sorry. We're no, also, I, looked up the, I looked up the third being on a Tuesday, I believe. But um, this is great. he also – it's one of those things, again, he might not tell us and we might not be at practice – watching all the reps so we might not know he'll know the team will know the quarterbacks will know right hey remember how we used to be splitting reps oh i'm not doing that only anymore. one guy's getting all the first and he kept saying well that guys will still get reps but you got to start giving more first team reps to the yeah. guy who's going to be your starting quarterback in a normal world i think we would pinpoint august 16th because that would be the monday before the for well but the problem is they play on it on a they open their season on a Thursday night. But that's night fine. That's year. two so full weeks of practice yeah. before so it you probably get to would that be, week. I would guess probably that week, 16th, yeah. Because it could be one of those things that's like if, if they normally would sort of start their week like on a Sunday as the start of game week for a Saturday game, that means that, that game week is going to start on like a Friday for the Thursday right, game. So then right. it's like how many? So anyway, you'll know mid-August. Mid-August. Happy birthday, Nathan. All right, everyone remember the day that whenever the quarterback, you find out about who the starting quarterback is, it's near Nathan's birthday. Just shoot him a, shoot him a text, shoot him a, shoot him a, little, te- a little tweet, shoot him an email. What's your email again if everybody wants to email you on your birthday? Nbaird at cleveland.com. Wait, do you have your birthday on your Twitter? Uh, I don't know. Because it shows oh, the balloon. Yeah, how the balloon do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll see. 614-350-3315. If you want to pay three ninety five a month to wish me a happy birthday, or wait until August first, because then you can have the two week free trial still going on my birthday. To send me that text. So what's this? We do a text thing and then we wish people happy birthday. Is that what it is? I mean, basically, yes. Um, let's talk about the other part of the quarterback equation that you've sort of been asking about, Nathan. This idea of like, hey Ryan Day, are you preparing Northwestern starting quarterback at camp this year? Which he said like. But maybe. So take us down. You've sort of been asking around about this yeah. kind of thing. So I started off on Thursday by asking Pat Fitzgerald about this because, you know, we had this debate a couple of weeks ago on the pod about specifically about Northwestern and about how they're sort of approaching the quarterback situation. And he said, well, in a perfect world, you know, we'd have five high school quarterbacks and we would develop quarterbacks. But, you know, they, they also, when the opportunity is there and they have a deficiency, as they would with any position, they're going to go get the guy. And it's just so happened now that it's lined up. He tried to say it's coincidental. To me, when you've done it like three times in three years, from Hunter Johnson to Peyton Ramsey to Ryan Helensky, that starts to be more of a trend than a coincidence. Like, it's it's like an annual thing. We'll see what happens going forward. I think they do have a 2022 guy they've signed. He says they have some 23, 23 guys they like. That's more than anybody wanted to know about Northwestern quarterback recruiting but what that leads to is like i, I asked Pat Sterl, like are you already looking at ohio state and seeing like hey they've got three guys right now and a fourth guy coming in next year like is that something you're aware of and he very diplomatically answered that you know like every staff they they are looking at those things and um that's you're always aware i think is what he said or like you're always you always know what's out there you're, you're always paying attention so it, i think that Northwestern is not the only program in the country right now that is looking at this situation. There's probably schools in California 
there's probably schools in Pennsylvania that are seeing that are looking at this and seeing well or Arizona um, keeping track of what happens as this unfolds for Ohio State. I asked Ryan Day today about it. Like, you know, do you just are you resigned? That was the term I used. Are you resigned to the fact that you are developing someone else's starting quarterback and you're going to have to play against him? He pushed back against the word resigned, but at the same time also kind of said, like, you can't worry about that. Kind of the same way I think that they can't worry about the fact that the guy is going to transfer in the first place. Now they can't worry about where he's going to transfer. You know, at the time that Ryan Day started this process, you couldn't transfer within the conference and be eligible that first year. Now you can't. So that the equation did change a little bit after they put all of this in motion, you could argue, because all of that, Quinn Ewers had even committed before mm-hmm. the decision had come. Like, Ohio State knew what was coming down the pike to some extent, but maybe not how quickly and the finality of it. And the fact that it would affect the Big Ten the way it is, because you used to not be able to transfer, even as a, you had to be a grand, grad transfer to be immediately eligible transferring within the Big Ten. So, um, he is one of those things where of all the things he talks about that like, boy, I'm worried about this. Boy, I'm worried about this. I'm staying up at night. He says this isn't one of those things that he'll just develop a quarterback. And if he ends up playing against him in the Big Ten championship game for Northwestern, then so be it. I mean, it's one. It's like what the other choice is like uh, Kyle McCord's like, man, I don't know. Ryan Day told me to throw the ball between my legs when I'm trying to throw a pass. It's like he said it's the best way to do it. So it's like so it's like, oh, here comes Penn State. And it's like, oh, I, I mean, you can't you can't screw up your own guy because right. he might be your guy. Right. You know, because guess what? Like if if C.J. Stroud, you know, twists his ankle and Jack Miller gets abducted by aliens, like Kyle McCord might be trying to beat Oregon. So, like, you have to coach your guys up, but it's just a reality. But it's one of those things. This like is a, all podium stuff. Yeah. Guys aren't – I mean, like, no. they all know the deal. Right. Yeah. And the, the thing that did come up, there's two other quarterback things that are sort of related to this. One is he said, don't read into C.J. Stroud being the guy who came in last year for Justin for a play here or a play there. He said maybe that just meant – CJ had a better week of practice that week, or if we had another series, like Jack would have come in. So he says, "Don't read, okay. don't read into it." Ah, I go read into it a little. Go bit. ahead and read it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so you're telling me that of the three, at least two out of three weeks last year when that came up, CJ Stroud had had a better week of practice. It's just the fact that listen, at some point you just it's optics, right? If it, if you really didn't want people to read into it, you just would have thrown Jack Miller out there against Michigan State or Clemson just for the sake of it. It I means something but, that CJ Stroud was coming in in the playoff semifinal. Like you're telling me not to read into that. I mean, you know, Jack Miller got the first series of the, in the you know, let a touchdown drive early in the year. So, but it, like that almost felt like the reverse. Like he's trying to make the point of like, hey, it's yeah. honestly, open, it but. felt like a reward for being so loyal for so long. Yeah. So anyway, that's what he said. And then th- the other thing that we just have to acknowledge is, I don't know if this is different or new or this is just what everybody's been doing. It officially feels like coaches are referring to the transfer portal as free agency. Multiple coaches said that here. And Mel Tucker was talking about it. I just happened to catch him. I'm sure other guys said it. And he was saying, like, in the NFL, you want to build through the draft and you supplement your team with free agency. You can't get to the Super Bowl entirely on free agency. And that that is what this is. And, like, it's obvious, but that crystallized it a little bit for me of, like, recruiting is the draft. And the portal is free agency. It's like, well, Doug, what else would it be? Of course that's what it is. But that's what they're saying. And that's just like, guess what? We In the NFL, you put a lot of energy into the draft. But you also know who's on every other team and who might be available and who you might go after, right? So it is – that's how they're thinking of it. And you also in the NFL know who your future free agents might be. But you can't control that. And you hope they play awesome. And then you hope they go make a ton of money somewhere else because you can't pay them in the salary cap, but you want them to be great. You can't play four quarterbacks, but you want all the guys on your roster to be great. Like, maybe it was just me, but I don't know if you guys also heard that. But that, that to me was like the official way that coaches think of it. And if you're thinking about college football in the portal, that's what it is. No, and that's how – with Mark Mantoni, how his job is ever-evolving. It's, yes – uh, officially director of player personnel is his position. But as he's already mentioned before, when we talked to him in the past, one, it's re- your, your first job is recruiting, but the transfer portal and paying attention to that has come just as, m- as much more valuable. So guys like Mark Pantone and uh, recruiting directors all over the country are more like general managers at this point than they are just guys facilitating, you know, official visits and, and recruiting weekends. But your main thing you should still do as a general manager is the draft. So it's still a right. 10 yeah, yeah, it's still, it's probably focus. still 75 or 80, you know, but it's not 100 anymore because mm. there's something else to worry about. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Court Williams news. What are some other injury situations? Talking about 
their tackles. Like there's just a lot of stuff, a lot of tidbits. We'll get to those next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Stevens, 614-350-3315 to wish Nathan Beard happy birthday and also get football information in your phone. 14-day free trial, four bucks a month after that. Court Williams, a guy that everybody seems interested in, everybody seems enthused about. We've talked about him many times. Ryan Day asked about it. He said, if you ask like, the guys on the team who the hardest worker is, a good portion of the team would say Court Williams. I'm dying to see him on the field. But Stephen, he said, he's a safety, not a bullet. So does that mean Court Williams might be the next guy, like might be the guy who takes over for Josh Proctor next year? We'd, we'd had a lot of conversations about Court Williams at the bullet. We had a lot of conversations about Court Williams is like the ultimate bullet. They recruited him to that, but they have Craig Young, they have Ronnie Hickman. I also still don't know exactly how they use their terminology. Right. So he could Correct. be saying safety and mean He's like cut. bullet. But he was asked so, specifically safety or bullet. Here's the thing though. Um, but I don't. I don't want to get too caught up in it. No, we're not. I do want to I'm emphasize gonna, that they are in on Court Williams as the fan base. Yeah, seems to and be. which is why I know we keep calling it a slot corner. But even when you talk to recruits, the way they are telling it to them, and, and when they're trying to build their secondary, you're either an outside corner, you're a single high safety, you're a bullet, or you're a cover safety. They are telling recruits that's what the slot corner. What Sean Wade was in 2019. That they're telling them that's what that is. Even though we want to call it a slot, they are calling it cover safety. So. Court Williams might be a cover safety. He might be a Lathan Ransom, or he might be a Josh Proctor and be a single high safety, which is why when they just say safety, even though we want to call one of those positions a slot corner, that's a very vague thing to call somebody in this defense because of the terminology they're using. I'll be surprised if he's that. I don't. I don't think he's the body type to like get matched up with a slot receiver. And I don't play think he's coverage. either. So no. like, I don't. I don't think that's what it is. But it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. It's interesting to know what they say. The terminology they use to recruits, that does matter. You know, Lathan Ramsey was like a deep safety. Lathan Ransom was a deep safety that now they're playing in that mm, cover safety, cover safety position. But he's a different type body type, different type of player than Court Williams. Mm-hmm. In general, though, Nathan, it's like you just are there are these guys sometimes that people get very interested in. And it was not nice because whatever, good luck to all 85 guys on scholarship. Them conf- Ryan Day confirming what we thought we thought about Court Williams. Like, okay, keep your eye on this guy. Yeah, but it, some of it has been coming from internally from Ohio State, like even before, back in the recruiting process. This is a guy that they were really pushing his intangibles as much or more than what he could do on the field in some ways. And he, he get, received a lot of accolades. I, I think it's potentially huge even for just this season. Like if, he, if he's able to come back and physically help this season, I still think free safety is a – question mark on this team we haven't seen josh parker go out and like really excel at that job and we have not seen certainly whoever would be number two behind him go out and excel at that job um you can't there are other positions where you can say that where you have a lot more confidence about both levels i don't really have that at free safety right now for this team and especially looking ahead right i mean they brought jansen dunn in that's the other guy who's involved Mm -hmm. at at free safety right now i think they've got some other things going on in recruiting but that still seems like a long-term position that needs some stability uh, and he's one guy that can help I think bring that if he really sticks at free safety and he's everything that they're saying he is for, and and from a leadership standpoint and everything because free safety is one of the defensive positions where there is maybe more leadership um, necessities and and just sort of like you know on field things that are necessary from that than you have at other positions I, I think that could be huge for this defense we will talk about what Ryan Day said about Alabama, what Ryan Day said about the 12-team playoff, what Ryan Day sort of just said about all the changes in college football. But we want to stay on personnel for a little bit here. Secondary came up. Kerry Combs came up. He, he said, um, which I think he said some of this stuff in spring too, but he likes the secondary depth. He said they're getting some secondary depth. We didn't have that last year. And my, the confidence is much higher than when last year ended. And in the secondary, and he thinks they'll be much better than they were when the season ended a year ago. Also said he thinks like Kerry Combs like really fits in the role as a defensive coordinator. You know, he, he, it's, again, he, he did say this stuff before. It's like it's scheme, it's coaching, it's players. They needed to get better at all three, which is some nod of like, okay, well, maybe, you know, the single high safety all the time. What are you going to do? When are you going to mix, you know, cover one, cover three, whatever. Him reinforcing that, Stephen, again – 
it's coach speak a little bit, but guys are honest about this. They, they're mm-hmm. pretty honest about like these are the position groups we feel good about. These are where there are some questions. He really, it felt like real confidence that things are better there. Yeah, I think we're allowed to give the secondary a benefit of the doubt, and they said they said it during the season. They said it after the season. Obviously, they said it today. The fact that you know, from a personal standpoint, who am I going to play? Am I going to play a true freshman who just showed up here in June? That just doesn't seem like a reasonable thing. That the fact that Lathan Ransom was on the field in the Big Ten championship game and in the semifinal was ridiculous. The fact that he didn't have any of the normal stuff, and so it's just reiterating the idea that you should give it the benefit of the doubt. These guys have had a normal spring now. There's been some fundamental stuff that they've had to learn that they've had the opportunity to take place in. Now they're getting with Mick this off season, so we should be. Kerry Combs just gets a pass for last year. And they also just happened to run up against a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver in the national championship game. I don't know. I think people are kind of giving it the benefit of the doubt last year as far as the guys who ended up starting, yeah. and it didn't work. Like It wasn't good enough. So I'm not sure I give it the benefit of the doubt. I think they this, this secondary still has a lot to prove. But I you mean, can pull like, guys. But the depth is better. Yeah. Uh, we're not sure the front line's any better because right. the front line guys are pretty much the same guys except Sean Wade left. Mm-hmm. And so it's seven banks again. It's Cam Brown who was hurt last year. It's okay, Lathan Ransom. I guess he's new. It's Josh Proctor again. He, he brought up Lathan Ransom a couple times as a guy who got snaps late and feels maybe like more of a solution. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think when it comes to, Bro- to Proctor and Banks and Brown, you still can wonder, okay, if these are your frontline guys, are they good enough? Are they national mm-hmm. championship caliber? Right. He said good things about seven banks. You know, he's not saying that their top line is not good enough. But right. to your point, Nathan, I think – that is still fair, and it's one of those things, okay, I mean, the question is, if those guys aren't good enough, are you going to play Ryan Watts? Like, okay, so Ryan Watts is better. If you had an injury, right, that's the kind of thing. If something happened yeah. to a guy, I think you'd feel better about Ryan Watts and Legend Cavazos. Yes. And I think that's and fair to say. Cam yes. Martinez, the guys you would go to. But if the level of play isn't good enough from the right. frontline guys, are you going to are you going to play the younger guys? Because we spent a lot of time last year talking about, man, could they play somebody else? It was kind of like, well, are they going to play – actual true freshman and the answer was no they're not yeah as a guy who expressed some skepticism around this time last year about the secondary i do feel better about ohio state secondary on paper than i did a year ago at this time but i still think as you're saying yeah it's 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 actual performance the performance actually still has to go out and happen for me it's more of a will they pull somebody if they're not good enough now that you know that you have some options right and and maybe i mean like maybe cam martinez or ryan watts or guys like that give you the confidence to do that if it's not getting done Marcus Hooker is still here. We're not going to pretend that we know exactly what happened um, with his off-field situation. He had a legal situation that in the moment sure felt like this might be it for him. But Ryan Day is saying no. He's going to be there on August 3rd. Nathan, what, what do people need to know about that? I, and I should have mentioned to him with the, the free safety mix, frankly, because that's where he started all five regular mm-hmm. season games last year. And it just slipped my mind for a second because we haven't been talking about him in that mix for a while because we kind of assumed that maybe he wasn't. I mean, with he, did, he wasn't good enough. I mean, so like it's, yeah. it's also like we don't know his status with the program. He wasn't good enough last year. He was getting benched anyway. So mm-hmm. it's like it's hard for me to believe that like he's going to be an answer. So true, that's true, part of it too. True. But we also thought he wasn't going to be on the team. Maybe correct. Yeah, and I, I I'm frankly a little bit surprised just because it, it was a second incident for him. You know, there have been other situations where, uh, and it was a completely different situation with the other two defensive backs. Um, you know, last year, but you know, they there wasn't really a a, a second option for them. I mean, that was a, that was a quick separation. Um, argue that that was maybe a more serious situation. So um, I, I'm I'm curious to find out, you know, exactly what went into this for for Ryan Day or what the situation was for Marcus Hooker and why they made that decision. Um, but it, it certainly seemed like it was it was a permanent separation. I mean, it's one of those things, it's it's a very fine line, I think, in situations like this. I mean, you're innocent until proven guilty. So, so But, but also, a video. you can't. <laughs> he, he's, There's literally yeah. a video of it. Yeah. A video of what? Of, of him, the Marcus Hooker yeah, incident. Yeah. He's sleeping in his car, like the, the arrest. Oh, there's right. a whole. So, so, but, but there's, so. And he pleaded guilty. Yeah. So, then, so he's not still on the team because he's such a good player. They're going to let him pass. Correct. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that. Because he's probably not going to start, and he wasn't all that good last year. So then, I mean, you don't know what it is, and there could be extenuating circumstances that you did something according to the law, but you say, listen, man, this is the deal, and, like, everybody makes mistakes, but it's not, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. it's it's hard. 
I think I've learned this, you know, covering this for 15 years. It's like you want to sort of hold the program to a high standard while at the same time being open to giving some of these teenagers or early guys in their early 20s the benefit of the doubt if the thing that they did maybe didn't really hurt anybody else, right? And that can cover a lot of different things. And you can make a mistake that winds you up in in a court of law, but still say, you know what, like, man, that was dumb. But I'm never going to do that again. So we don't need to spend yeah. a lot of time on it. But I do think there's all you, there can be a perception of like, oh, the programmer, oh, they just like guys do anything. And it's like, listen, it's it's not that simple. That I do over time, and I, I have come to learn this and believe this more over time. There is something to like, you know what? Sometimes the best thing you can do for a guy is keep him in the program. Yeah. Because if he's mm-hmm. in a tough spot and he's made some mistakes, and you're going to cut him loose, and then what? And is he going to finish college? Is he going to, like, keep him in a structure? It sounds like a Saban speech that he once gave to his media, and he actually used an yeah. example when he was at Michigan State. And now yeah. the guy went on, he's a doctor, his kid's going to Harvard and whatnot. So, yeah, prime example of that. It he happened went- a lot like with Ray Small here, with Jim Tressel and mm-hmm. Ray Small. And Ray Small got second and third and fourth chances, and I think Jim Tressel kind of was trying to keep him in the program, hoping that he could help him, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Ray – eventually wound up in prison, you know, like, and it, and it didn't work. And you could say, oh, Jim Tressel, he doesn't, all he does, all he cares about is football. He doesn't care. And it's like, well, I actually think you could make an argument he does care, which is because Ray Small wasn't winning them games. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't, he wasn't a make or break program guy, but he kept them around forever. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about Marcus Hooker without knowing the specifics, but there are things that come into play. But just along the lines of the specifics, Ryan Day did say he, paid his dues, and went through a bunch of different programs. So that'll be up to Marcus Hooker to talk about that at some point if he wants to. But I think we can all maybe make an inference on what that was, considering yeah. this is a second mm-hmm. drunk driving incident. Right. So people make mistakes, and you can't hurt people. If your mistake hurts people, that's a different level thing. But maybe there's a chance for you know a football program to actually be the best thing for a young guy. Okay, let's talk about kickers. Nathan, you were on this when it happened. I didn't realize it's it's much more difficult to get a handle on the scholarship situation given all the COVID stuff and all the guys who have extra eligibility and the super seniors who don't count against you and whatever. But Ryan Day said they had an extra scholarship. They had an extra scholarship sitting around, and they used it on special teams. Well, we knew that they had scholarship room, I think, is, mm-hmm. is mostly what he's saying there, right? That they've been, they've been under the scholarship limit. Mm-hmm. They were comfortably under 85. And they still are. I can't remember what it is. You can go check, might, the, yeah. go check the Cleveland.com yeah. scholarship tracker. I can't write this second. But um, So I think that's more what he was saying, that they had the room and they were so far underneath it. The thing that he didn't really, and I was hoping to follow it up and I had to follow up on, on something else, but that the we were just getting late on time, but they... Is, is he going to – like the, they would both still be on scholarship next year. You'll still be committed three – because he's got two years. No, no Ruggles, the grad transfer, has two mm-hmm. years of eligibility. So between him and Seibert and uh, Jesse Mirko, that will be three scholarships given to specialists for the next two years. I don't do – they don't give one to the long snapper right now. Or I think they? they earn it sometimes, but yeah. Right. So that, that's another – so it could be even more that they're, they're giving to the, the special teams uh, specialists. And I don't know if that's going to be like a, a permanent thing. Does he is he comfortable using that many, or is this just a temporary thing that he because of the way last year went, because Cyber and Mirko are both first year guys, because um, some things maybe he saw this spring did that like create the sense of urgency that they could use that extra extra scholarship yes, this year? Yes, but they can also deal with that when they and they might have told Ruggles, "Listen, man, come now. There's no guarantees." But yeah, the bottom true. line is yeah. they felt unsure enough about the kicking situation. And that's Jake Seibert. I mean, I guess I don't exactly want to say they're unsure about Jake Seibert, but it's not like the kicking situation is anybody else. And he said there was an issue with kickoffs last year. I think they weren't quite as deep as they wanted them to be. And then he missed some stuff. Didn't he miss some stuff in Missed late? two goals in the spring game. Yeah. So it's, it's that plus um, last year their starting kicker actually being hurt for most of the year. No, I know, but that's but he's gone anyway. Yeah. So it's like, but that gave Jake Seibert more experience uh, yeah. than he would I mean, have anyway. The issue is that they were not 100% comfortable with Jake Seibert being their only kicker. I don't think we watched Jake Seibert as a place kicker last season and thought, man, they're headed for trouble. He was like 16 of 16. 
kicked a field goal in the national championship game. It seemed like a good start for him. But I think Ryan Day, because of how thin they were, he also knows if something goes wrong with Cybert, I mean, they found this out the hard way with that Penn State game. If something went yeah, wrong with Hobby, they but, didn't but, have but, a second. But, but I'm not going to – like, that's not how they – they don't normally bring in another scholarship kicker. It's like, the, this is yeah. not an injury – I don't think this is injury. What it is is it's – you don't – you have a new quarterback, so you might be kicking more, and you need to know that that kicker is going to make field goals. But for what's right. worth – they're at 81 right now. Right. So they're, they're well under. Yeah. So, I mean, even if they were to get a full class this season, this for 2022, and it probably wouldn't even preclude them from still going after some transfers, too. Yeah. they're going to have some attrition at some point of, of their own. So, but, but I, I mean, I assume there'll be a competition, right? Don't we? Yeah, think no, it's, it certainly sounds camp? like that. Yeah. I mean, this has happened at Ohio State before. This happened. I mean, they, they brought in the one guy from Duke the one year. I mean, they, they've had things where Sean Nurberger had like competition like two years of like, Hey, we recruited you to be the kicker for four years, and it's like here comes a dude, and like here comes a dude again, and so they've done this, but you don't do it when you think your kicker's an all-American. So, right. mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you'd rather address the issue, but it's a little bit of a hint of like, okay, well, they're maybe not a hundred percent locked in on the kicking game because where this, where's the where did where Ruggles come from? What is he? Who's he from? North Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. Was he their kicker last year? No, he was their kicker in 2019. He lost his job to an FCS grad transfer last okay. year. Okay. So, yeah, so Ohio State's trying to win a national championship with North Carolina's backup kicker. I mean, like, right. let's just say what it is. And he did, not handle, he did not handle kickoffs no. in 2019 when he had the job. They had three other guys kicking kickoffs for them, not him. And not that kickoffs, I mean, kickoffs anymore, what they are, right. it's not as big of a deal. But also, like, if you can't get it in the end zone or whatever, like, then it is a problem. You're, yeah, you're opening yourself up there. I mean, you to, to making the other team return it, yeah. So I don't know. My, my expectations are a little bit. Um, I don't have a high ceiling of expectation for Ruggles. I think he could be fine. I just I think that it, it probably will be a full competition because I think these guys might be at pretty similar skill levels. All right, let's talk about receivers briefly. Jalen Harris and Elijah Gardner both graduated. Jalen Harris was actually a medical issue that Ryan Day said as part of it contributed to him um, ending his football career at Ohio State. Elijah Gardner just moved on. But he, he did was like, ah, oh, we're like a little short in the receiver room now, like on the third team. Because it's like, okay, well, your starters are the two best receivers in college football and a five-star guy in the slot who everybody thinks is going to be great. And then your top-line backups are the number one, the number one, one receiver. receiver in the country, the number one receiver in the country, the and the son of a Hall of Famer. <laughs> so it's like, oh, no, <laughs> Ohio State's receiver depth is a question. So it's like maybe, like, I don't know who their seventh receiver is, I guess. Who's their – no, Jaden Jaden Ballard's their seventh receiver. Ohio State, has, <laughs> Ohio State has a problem with its ninth receiver. <laughs> if it was really a problem, G. Scott wouldn't be a tight end right now. Well, he also did say we can move him back. I mean, like, he was like, well, if we have an issue, we can always move G. Scott back. And I think G. Scott's like, what, man? I'm, I'm eating all this food. <laughs> he's got, like, a burger in his mouth as he's listening he's to like, that. what? <laughs> yeah. So, but it was interesting. Like, he just brought it up. But now I'm realizing it's not a real thing. Like, I, I think Ryan Day said a good amount of real things. That was a coach big thing because he was talking about the three walk-ons I have. He's like, they'll play. And it's like, okay. It sounds play. like a good thing when you throw in the fact that Jamison Williams transferred. And it's like, oh, no, we're down a wide receiver. Oh, wait, we've got four more coming in in six months. It explains why they were potentially bringing on a transfer over the summer, too. I yeah. mean, why they looked at that market a little bit to, to help with depth. But it probably was someone who wasn't going to really be able to come here and really make an impact because it's just hard to get on the field right now as a receiver at Ohio State. Yeah. Ryan, how often does your eighth receiver keep you from winning a national championship? This is why you have walk-on. It's like, oh, no, where's Jaden? Okay, um, let's talk about the tackles. Ryan Day said, if there are four better tackles in America, I'd like to know where they are. He's talking about the two starters plus Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. Again, Nathan, a lot of like he was saying some nice things about Dewan Jones. It's like, oh, you're lumping Dewan Jones in with the two returning starters the best tackle prospect Ohio State has seen since Orlando Pace. And this guy who's this, again, we all know the deal with DeWan Jones, a lot of potential, a lot of rawness there still. He's been around for a while now, but like Ryan Day really likes where they are at tackle. I think he's also a guy, and I'm not saying this as in, you know, Ryan Day not being sincere, but I think DeWan Jones is a name you have to kind of keep dropping out there to make sure DeWan Jones knows that you value him, like in a public way, because I – 
where is he going to play? He can't really play this year. There's unless an injury happens. Um, it, it's not an obvious place to put him. And then it'd have to be the right injury that they're not moving just Paris Johnson there and putting somebody else at guard and, and moving forward. I think he's still a guy that is intriguing to me for 2022, 2023. I, I, could, I think that's why you've got to keep Dewan Jones' name out there. But I think it's a positive thing that you've everybody on that staff has continued to talk about him in terms of his development and that he's stayed on track or even surpassed what they were expecting from him at this point. I think that's great. I, I agree with everything you said. I think Nicholas Petit, Frank, there, and Muffer need to be first-round draft picks next spring because that's going to fix a lot of issues because he got Bill Ennis was obviously last asking this line of questions he was asking Thera Mumford about it too about the fir, first round tackles that Ohio State just hasn't had over the last 20 years and how and Ryan Day kind of used the example of how Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins opened the floodgates on how people view the quarterback position because now you're getting all types of quarterbacks in here we just had a whole discussion about it tackle at this point seems to be the one position on offense where that's not there's not a known reputation for things right now, which is why I'm just going to be honest here. It's if Zach Rice comes here, it's probably a miracle at this point. You're probably you're, that streak is going to end the first round of, of number one tackles that they've had every other year at this point, just because of how things have gone. If those two guys are both first round draft picks, it reopens that door to get whoever the next Zach Rice is or the next Paris Johnson is. I mean, they're not going to be. Yeah, I they're not both going to be first round picks. I don't know that either of them are a first round pick, frankly. I mean, because I mean, you know what you got to be to be a first round pick of tackle. I mean, there's usually six to eight that go. I don't know if Thayer's like like just like wingspan and frame and whatever matches up with guys. And then like Petit Frere's good. I don't know anybody thinks that Petit Frere's like a first round pick like mm. right now. He's got both do NFL something. players, but first yeah. round pick is a totally yeah. different thing. And so, it's why, but it's also why like we have these discussions and like you know, does Ohio State have to get a five star left tackle? And I'm always like. That's a tough thing to say. Like, there's only may only be a couple in a given year that's a five star tackle. You've got to go out and get a guy who develops into something. Yeah, but, but, it just but sticks we out hold them yeah. at every other position. That's the deal. That's the problem. It just sticks thing. out because everywhere else they're doing it pretty habitually. We don't yeah. say that about corner. We don't yeah. say it about receiver. We don't say it about running back. We don't say it about defensive end. We don't say it like we just. That's not the deal. And it, so uh, you're not wrong, but all we're doing is holding the standard at tackle to the standard well, that's set at almost every other position. But to say you have to do it in every class is what no, I'm saying. No, not every class, but it needs Because to... they have a five-star tackle on this team. He's playing left guard this year. Right, True. but he's also from two hours down the street. You probably Yeah, it's only a problem if you don't. It's news if you don't get Paris. It's not news when you get him. We're not, it's not even about where we're holding him to in other positions. We're holding him to Alabama. He got asked a bunch of Alabama questions, and do you is that the benchmark and all that other stuff? Well, Alabama does this. Every cycle, they just they just re they just refresh on the five star every single cycle. And if that's who you're trying to keep up with, then yeah, you need to go get the Paris Johnson who doesn't live two hours away from your campus. Alabama, Alabama, the gold standard, and he didn't because Tom Allen, the Indiana coach, referenced Ohio State as the gold standard mm-hmm. in the Big Ten, and then Tim May asked eleven gold standard questions because that's how you do it here. You go, someone says something, and then you take what that person mm-hmm. said and you take it to everybody else and you write a story. Tim May is good at it. So then someone else said, well, is Alabama the gold standard in the country? And like Ryan Day, Stephen, like he didn't shy away from it. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, well, you know what? We're just worried about ourselves. We're not going to. He said, yeah. And he said, you try not to overreact to last year's loss, right? Because he was sort of saying like, it's a little bit weird. I don't know that that's 100% indicative, right? Like not to make excuses for it, but it is a little bit weird. You don't want to go crazy because like in a COVID year, oh my God, we lost to Bama. But, Stephen, he did not back off. Yeah, I spend a lot of time on it. You definitely look at those things and you compare. And then he said, of course, it's different regions. There's a lot of things that are different. But I, I guess I, I guess Ryan Day is kind of like that, Stephen. Like, he's not going to shy away from that. But, like, he definitely did not shy away from that. He said, yes, we look at Bam every day. He knows who they're chasing. They, it's Yes, the, the, the score of the game was the score of the game, whatever, all the reasons. It's the fact that you finished second to Alabama in every single statistic that matters in college football. Recruiting rankings, on the field in the national championship game, and on NFL draft day. And so that's the only team they're really chasing. Even with the Clemson thing, that was a in the moment because of how the game ended the year the year before that. It's They're pretty even with, with Clemson at this point, especially if they get another championship. It's Alabama who they're chasing. And so it's good that he's not shying away from because he knows what the target is. Let's talk about uh, Zach Harrison. He asked a question. I always think if you are the guy who is going around and pretending that you're a media member and joking around and asking questions at Big Ten Media Days, that's a good sign. 
And and Zach Harrison came over with Jeremy Ruckert and Thayer Munford and asked Ryan Day like two funny questions about Jeremy Ruckert, which frankly I'm going to use no, the he, answers in my Jeremy Ruckert story. Weren't they both about Ruckert? He asked questions that actually we would ask about no, Jeremy I Ruckert. I was like, I was like, thanks, Zach. Uh, I hope I hope Zach Harrison's Ruckert feature isn't better than mine. Him and um, Harris, man. But it was like jobs. it was like the last, like it was like another thing, Nathan, of like, yep. Like Zach Harrison just like has has is ready and has figured it out, and I'm not going to say that someone's going to be an All American because they joked around at media days. But like Zach Harrison has certainly grown into his role. I was at his podium for a while today, and he was getting questions about, uh, you know, would you have guessed uh, three years ago that you would be the one here on media day answering questions? And he's like, no, like this, because and and he was uh, somebody asked. Um, well, did you um, would you have taken your commitment all the way to July the yeah. way that Tumala did? And he's like, I didn't know you could do that. I probably would have because I didn't like being a recruit at all yeah. at the time. And you guys remember that I wasn't here, but you guys remember, and I'm sure our listeners remember that it was a very like you know closed down recruitment that it, he 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 was he was very um, reticent to to be out there. And you're starting to see that breakthrough um, in important ways. And, and Thayer Mumford was also talking about just how Harrison now is kind of expected to be one of the, the vocal leaders on the team. And I, I asked Harrison, like, because you, sometimes you're standing at, there at a podium and you don't really have anything to ask a guy. So you have, but it's like it's thinning out and there's yeah. not as many people there. And you're like, well, somebody's got to ask him something. So I asked him, like, well, who was like in the most important teammate in your career? And he said Jonathan Cooper. So, like, not Chase Young, not even Tyreek Smith, who's right next to him. He said Jonathan Cooper because of just all the ways that Jonathan Cooper helped everybody on that team, especially last year when they were going through, you know, maybe guys are testing positive for COVID and can't play. Other things are happening. Cooper was kind of the rock that led them through that. But I said, you know, there's there's guys who that comes to very naturally. And there's guys who have to work at it a lot harder just to be um, more open and, and more vocal. And so like, do you feel like you have to be more like Cooper? And he said, well, yeah, kind of like, you know, there are things he, he's trying to adopt that are part of that personality. But then there's also he has to be true to himself and you can't I, you can't like you can't be something you're not. I think the other guy, the guys in that locker room would know that you're being a phony. So I think it's he's 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 trying to hit that that middle ground. And third year is probably a good year to kind of start to figure some of that stuff out. I think. Something you see with athletes a lot is that there's a point that they stop caring about what everybody has to say. And let's just be honest here. I have stopped caring. Sorry. I just meant in general. Go ahead. <laughs> Fuck I <laughs> talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's let's just the, the situation he came into. He, he, I mean, he was JTT before JTT. You know, he was the big time recruit who didn't want to talk to anybody and took up to the last final minute. We weren't really sure where he was going to go between Ohio State and Michigan. And then he picked Ohio State. And then that was that. And then you talked to him for the first time. And it was just kind of like, oh, well, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't as big of a deal as maybe we tried to make it be for the last three or four years here. And he's obviously grown into that. And some of that is he stopped caring about stuff on social media. And I kind of asked him about You've literally been in JTT shoes and Jack Sawyer's shoes and being, and you had to do it following Chase. You, they're not following Chase. You had to do it following the Heisman Trophy winner. And so at some point, you've got to stop. We're not winner. Well, yeah. Heisman Trophy finalist. Um, well, you see who I would have voted for. Uh, he had to follow that. And a lot of times he found himself kind of being lost in that. It's like, oh, you're Zach Harrison. Why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? You would have voted for Chase Young over Joe Burrow? Yeah, that was pretty impressive. Okay. Just checking, just checking. That's like that. You can't just throw stuff out there and be like, you know, okay, yeah, I, but I don't know if that's it. that crazy to say. It's not like Chase was mediocre or anything like that. But to the point of, it's the, the point, at some point that had to wear off of him and he had to stop caring so much about being the next Bosa or Young, being the next five star defensive end who's a top five draft pick and just focus on himself a little bit. And it's allowed him to kind of come up out of his shell a little bit more than we've seen in the past. Let's take another break. Oh, no, one, one more, uh, like guy thing before we sort of get into theoretical stuff. Nathan, I thought it was interesting. Matthew Jones came up very early and there were multiple questions um, for Ryan Day here about interior offensive line. And we know Paris Johnson's going to be one. We know Harry Miller's going to be one. And it feels like the other one's going to be Matthew Jones or Luke Whipler. Or he also brought up Enoch Lamahe and, and some other guys, right? But he said Matthew Jones is a guy. This is like interesting analysis. And this was like, I like it when coaches like say, a good thing, but also a thing that's not all 100% good. Right. And he said, like, he'll have 10 plays on film where he looks awesome. 
And then he'll have 10 plays where, you know, he'll have some plays where it's like, well, what's what's going on there? And it's just a consistency thing, but I like the way Ryan Day said it. But he said, you know, you talked to some of the other guys in the team, and, like, when he's on, like, he'll get on a defensive lineman, and, like, you cannot get away from him. And he's, like, his best is really good. Um, I don't know what that's going to be like, but that seems like, well, all you got to do is do that more, and then Matthew Jones will be the, the fifth starting offensive lineman. I think the exact term he used was the heavy hands. Like He's got like the he- some of the heaviest hands on the team, which I thought was a, a great Im- expression that you can kind of visualize what it would be like. I, he, We've talked about this before, about how sometimes when you're not Paris Johnson and you're not like some kind of in-state guy, you get caught in that middle. And he was like a top 100 recruit. Number 68 player in the yeah, top I mean, center in a 2018 class. Yeah, so I mean, he was a pretty significant recruit. But because it's a developmental position, then there's so many other like five stars and big time guys coming into every class that you sort of, you becomes out of sight, out of mind a little bit. But it, it, this is really, again, we're talking about like third year situations and fourth year situations. And it's right when guys should kind of be coming into their own and winning a job or at least threatening to win a job. And um, we, I think we saw in flashes. I mean, there's a reason why he got the opportunities he did. The reason why he, even when Harry Miller was able to, to play last year late in the season, it was Matthew Jones was getting that start um, in the national championship game. So. I, I would. I think it, the expectation right now is that it's it's one of the reasons why when we had this discussion about the roster a couple months ago, how how deep we saw that this offensive line being, and he's the answer that you can have a guy like him who, if he if he doesn't win a starting job, it almost seems like a surprise. Like someone would have to be really good to beat him out. I feel like the way Ryan Day talked about Matthew Jones today is the way that you could literally talk about a bulk of the top 100 guys in that 2018 class. At some point, they've talked about they just need to show consistency because that was the thing with Josh Proctor all last fall campus. He's really good. He pops. He flashes. But then mm-hmm. he just needs to do it consistently. It seemed like that was some cases with Tyree Smith, but also some injury problems. Nicholas Petit Frere would show some things, but he wouldn't show consistency with the weight. A lot of talented guys who just didn't put it together consistently enough to break through with the role, along with also being blocked. All right. Is there anything else from a personnel standpoint of players on Ohio State's team? Football. Directly related football to 2021 stuff that you guys want to bring up that we haven't touched on yet. We asked about all the people who were out in the spring with injuries. So Master Teague, Dallas Gantt, Seven Banks, Haskell Garrett, Harry Miller. Everybody's back. Everybody's back. Everybody's back, but Cam 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 Babb's the only one who's not back. Yeah, they said Babb will not be ready for the start. But everybody else they expect to be participating on the first day of camp. Which is good. And then linebacker, he just listed off some of the guys. Like, obviously, the three older guys in the 2018 class, K. Bompo, Dallas Gant, uh, Taraja Mitchell, but then also Cody Simon and Reed Carrico's name came up. There was and Tommy Eichenberg. And Tommy Eichenberg, yeah. yeah. Significant discussion about how to pronounce Palei Eotote. Like, maybe the G is silent or maybe the G is an N. We need to talk to him to find that out. I don't know how soon we will talk to him, but they clarified today that he is basically a member of the team. It's just a matter of whether or not he can be on scholarship or not, something to do with his transfer. And then still Chambers is playing linebacker and running back right now. And it'll be his choice what he ends up not playing very much yeah, for Ohio I mean, State. Yeah, it's a great thing to do. I mean, like, be great for his coaching career. I'm not I'm not joking. Like, that's great. Like, yep. move around. But, like, let's not pretend no. that it's going to make a difference for this team. Okay. Let's take a – Another quick break. Oh, and Jeremy Ruckert said that when he graduates, he's going to buy half a cow from Cade Stover. That seems which, so on brand. Which half? <laughs> I love That's Stover. what I should have asked. Oh. I, I asked like. How many catches do you remember? Because I came over for only a part of that. The whole thing. I wrote down all 28 catches of Ruckert's career like against him. the yeah. team, the down, the distance, whatever. And, I, and he was like, I don't, know, I don't know. And I was like, okay, I guess we're not going to do that. <laughs> so I did say, do you, you know, do you remember your first catch? He's like, yeah, Oregon State. I was like, do you remember the quarterback? And he's like, yeah, Tate. And I was like, yes, I get to write Tate Martell's name in a story. But um, I thought it might be one of those things where Jeremy Ruckert's had 28 catches in three years. Maybe he would remember every single one. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, okay. Penn State, second and seven, eleven yard catch. He'd be like, "Yeah, no, I ran it out, and the, the safety came down." It's like he was just like, "I don't know." So, which is what I would do, right? But you, I just don't know what time. But like, but he's also he spent a lot of time saying like, you know what? Like, I'm not. It is what like I'm not going to freak out about it, you know. So um, credit to him that he's not obsessed with it. I would be. Oh, I'd want the ball. I would be sure. obsessed. He's a good player. 
So, um, so yeah, but he's going to buy half a cow. He, 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 it, we almost, it felt like an NIL thing. He was now like playing up like the Cade Stover family farm. He's like, I've had the beef. It's really good. Uh, but he did not know how much half a cow cost. And so that'll be something we'll have to look in. That's journalism. Uh, we'll be back. Ryan Day is sort of talking about all the changes in college football that will finish up this Buckeye talk in a warehouse next. Can you guys hear the silence? Yeah. We're like, the, I don't know if we're the last people here. We may go outside, Buckeye Talk listeners, and find that the world has ended. We don't know. We were just three guys in an, in an empty ballroom. Might be locked uh, in again. And look at... Uh, I'm going to knock... Is this wood? Nope. I'm going to find I'm gonna wood have to at go this point. Prop a door now. Yeah. Um, so we're finishing this up at Lucas Oil Stadium. We just finished our interviews with Ohio State and other teams uh, on Friday. We'll have stories at cleveland.com. Make sure you're reading those. We texted out a lot of stuff. Great time to be a texter, 614-350-3315. Gene Smith and Ryan Day both in favor of the 12-team playoff. And I've been wanting to write this about, like, the death of the devastating loss. And I got I, – I asked Ryan Day about it. And, and, you know, as an NFL guy, hey, in the NFL, you know, you can lose a game. It doesn't end your season, you know. Go 11-5 and five and win the Super Bowl. That's not how college football has been. And he said, I'd, I'll take the wiggle room. And it's like, well, of course, from personal experience, right, you would, you would take the wiggle room from what happened in 17 and 18. Um, but like, just like philosophically, I, he also kind of said, yeah, I'll take that. So it, I, I think we needed to get that on the record, Nathan, of like, what does Ohio State think about this proposed 12-team playoff? Because what they say matters and like they're into it. Yeah, I mean, they have a voice that affects these conversations. So um, I think it's interesting that Ryan Day – because. We always talk – I think about this in terms of definitely like athletes, like which guys grew up as like college football fans and which guys were NFL guys. And we always have like associated Ryan Day um, because he has real NFL experience. He didn't come up exclusively through college ranks. So I think there's always been sort of that NFL sheen on him a little bit that we've associated him with that's going to be his jump or whatever at some point. So – that he has kind of that mindset where I think he he sees the value of of not having a season ruined by just one mistake. I I, I don't know. I think I I'm interested now that the 12 team playoff does it help them keep Ryan Day longer at Ohio State because it takes that it eliminates that disaster that you're talking about. He's definitely not. I mean, like uh, football weekends were for him were watching the Patriots on the couch with his grandpa and his mm-hmm. brothers. It was yeah. not watching college football on a Saturday. Right. And that's just football in New England. No one's sitting around. Listen, it's an hour-long Ryan Day interview, right? I mean, we've been there all day. We're standing around forever. So I asked Ryan Day if the Big Ten should add the University of New Hampshire and, like, crickets. I'm just being stupid. No media giggles. And Ryan Day, like, went a little bit. I mean, can we just ask one stupid question in an hour? Oh, you can ask a lot more than one oh, stupid question in an hour. I don't know. Where, were you not at all of the other podiums this week? How does it feel to be here? But nobody nobody thought my New Hampshire thing was funny. But I did ask them, like, okay, like, does this matter for football? Right? Which has been my contention of, like, what's the real effect of football? And he basically was like, I can't keep up with everything. But, like, everything affects everything. And, Nathan, it just was – you could see him feeling – Again, you can. I think you can see Ryan Day feel stuff sometimes because he is like a human person, and he's like, yes. you know, it's all yeah. the stuff we said: NIL and transfer portal and playoff expansion and conference realignment and COVID regulations. And he's just like, I think the sport might be unrecognizable in five years, and if it is, it will affect the football. But he didn't have a real like firm answer of like, hey, yeah, if this happened, it'll be harder for us to recruit into you know in Texas or whatever. But and, – and I'm not feeling sorry for him because it's like the world changes. But he said like I'm not great with change and yeah. a lot is changing and I think he probably constantly – I think if we get a read on Ryan Day, he's not going to think about that stuff just for fun. But he is constantly thinking about well, what does this mean for my team? What does it mean for how we do things on a daily basis? And he believes it does mean something. He's just not sure what. Well, you put yourself in, in his shoes coming out of last season – where there was just like week after, I mean, day after day, we lived it too, as far as just like the turmoil, just the football related turmoil that, and, and uncertainty and all of the stuff that everybody went through 
and to finally be kind of like trying to feel like you maybe caught your breath and you can exhale and now you're just going to have a normal college football season in 2021 and then this starts to unravel or explode or however you want to say it right before the start of the season and i you know we should probably continue scrutinizing i guess just how much it would really affect ohio state but let's not also forget that what happens with texas and oklahoma and the sec whatever what how does the big 10 respond this is also happening at a time of instability in the big 10 or like um what do you want to say? Like uh, a, a crisis of confidence in leadership in the Big Ten. Just because the commissioner's new and people don't think he's doing a good job, you mean? Yes. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's not like it's a bunch of things. It's like they have right. a new commissioner that people aren't sure about. Right. Yeah. I don't want to sound apologetic for Ryan Day because I'm just not going to be that guy. But I think you kind of hinted at it. This has just been a lot for a guy who's technically only in his third year as being a, a football coach, a, a college football coach, regardless of what school it is. And he just so happens to be at arguably the biggest school in the country when it comes to college football. You had one normal year where uh, it was normal football circumstances for why things ended. And then you go to COVID. And then you're also trying to pull in a recruit for a class that should be done in July. Because I, I asked him about it. He was like, really? It, it, the way he even responded to it, you could tell that that was a lot longer than it should have been and a lot more than he ever expected to ever have to recruit a kid. And now you're dealing with this. It's like this is a lot for any person to be in their first three years of being a college football coach, let alone having to do all that while also at the biggest university in the country. But I, but also, again, it's like, it's like, oh, did you have to recruit your five-star an extra yeah, month not- to join your other five-star on the <laughs> yeah. defensive line to be coached by the best defensive line coach of all time? Oh, no. I'm going to yeah. – you know who our starting defensive linemen are? I'm not one stars. You know, I'm, one listen, stars. I'm not feeling sorry for him. I can just definitely imagine a world where every day he goes home like, I just need a drink. I don't know if we want to say that. <laughs> the, the thing that, that I think encapsulates it, and we'll double back on this and then we can wrap it up. I think, to me, the interesting thing about in trying to analyze Ryan Day in situations like this is all these things are happening in a world where, and he said he likes the wiggle room, right? That was the phrase he mm-hmm. used. I like the wiggle room of the 12-team playoff. All these things are happening in a world where I think he feels like they don't have any wiggle room. They don't. And that... You know, this the transfer stuff. Well, I don't know about the transfer stuff because, like, if we lose to Minnesota, we're screwed. Well, what do you think about expansion? Well, I don't know about all that because, like, if we if we don't, you know, if we let Indiana jump up and bite us, like, everyone's going to yell at me, right, that, that he has not lost a regular season game. And I don't want to say it this way. I don't want to say he's waiting to lose his first regular season game. But he is going to lose a regular season game. He will not retire undefeated in the regular season. And I almost think it will be a good experience for him when it happens because he will realize that the world doesn't end. And he's a very smart football coach. He knows about all this. He's a very, I think he's shown to be a very good leader, but he just, he just has not done it yet. And I'm not going to ask him, Ryan, will it be good for you to lose regular season game and experience it and go through it and figure out how you come back from that? Because right now it's this big like, oh, no. Um, because that's I'm not he's not going to give an answer to that, and that's not really what it's about. But – that's, I think, Nathan, is the complicating factor of this. He said things like, it's a whirlwind. You're going to wake up in five years and not recognize college football. And he's processing all that in a world where he feels like, well, we better go 13-0 and again. And that's life in the big city. And he accepted it. But he said that the day he took over for Urban. You know, it's like, hey, you better win the game up north than every other one. You know, like he has made over the course of his of his time here, he has made kind of a lot of jokes about you better not lose. <laughs> And he hasn't lost. So I think it almost like builds up yeah. the inevitable loss right. bigger and bigger, yeah. which doesn't mean that they should go lose to Minnesota so that Ryan Day can like get it off of it. Ryan, do you feel like you have a monkey on your back that you haven't lost yet? I mean, no one's ever had a losing monkey, you know, your lost monkey. All these wins are a burden to you. Right. We're, we we need to drive home. It We're having crazy conversations. It probably now. doesn't help that the, the guy he took over for was like stressing himself out every single no, day. I mean, and that's because that's how Urban lived. I think yeah. Urban lived with the idea of you can't lose a game. I mean, like every loss is unacceptable. I think Urban Meyer would tell you every single loss in his college football coaching career was unacceptable, mm-hmm. but he barely has any. But you also can't live that way. Like Urban drove himself nuts, and now finally went and got a job where you know what you're allowed to lose. So it's an interesting undercurrent, I think, to where Ryan Day is now as a head coach. And guess what? He might not lose a regular season game for another three years. I mean, that's a, it sounds crazy, but it's like Realistic. pick the loss. Right. Are they going to lose this year? Oh, next year when they have 
Paris Johnson and, and Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith the Jigba and Trayvon Henderson, are they going to lose then? Oh, in 2023, when we deem them the greatest team in college football <laughs> history, are they going to lose then? I mean, right. this guy could start 60-0 and in the regular season, but he'll always, I think, be waiting for that first loss because I think he thinks it's going to be terrible. Yeah, and I also think it is uh, indicative of a coach and a team how you respond from a loss too. You 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 learn something about a guy like how how they bounce back from that situation and it, you know timing of it and all and who it was against and all that stuff factors into that. But it, it's the it's one of the challenges he hasn't crossed. You know, there's a lot of these other like thresholds we've um, and by we I just mean like observers sort of ask coaches to cross. Like you got to coach your first game. And you've got to win your first Big Ten championship. And you've got to um, get to the playoffs for the first time. And he keeps checking off all those boxes. And this is the one that's like almost like a negative achievement that you sort of still have. It's a threshold that still has to be passed at some point. You still have to prove like what you do with your program when you when you lose an unexpected game. As much as I know fans were getting tired of like the Purdue Ohio or Purdue Iowa back to back losses of 2017-18, but like. Ohio State bounced back from both of those and won Big Ten championships. I mean, you could say that as much as it was a negative to lose the games, Urban Meyer showed something by the way the team responded to those losses. So we'll find out someday what, what Ryan Day is made of in those scenarios too. And it's possible that he holds out long enough that when he has that first loss, he does have wiggle room and it doesn't kill him. And he never experiences right. he never experiences the devastating regular season loss, which has been a fundamental part of big time college football. Since the day Rutgers and Princeton kicked the soccer ball around and called it football. I love that Marcus Hartman from the Dayton Daily News is always very big on, it was soccer. They claimed the first football <laughs> game. What they were playing was not football. So that's not to him. But like that, I, like this is, this is going to be a whole new world of like, oh, you, you're allowed to lose. So you'll be the seven seed instead of the three seed, but you're allowed to lose. Like he may get to it yeah. and never experience the thing that like tear, tore Urban Meyer's guts out. So, um, okay. Covered football. We covered like feelings. Again, we like to talk about feelings sometimes. Uh, we talked about Alabama. We will have another. We get. I guess we'll have a market down Monday. It might not be out until later on Monday because Maybe. we're not going to be Sucks. able to record it because uh, we got to go home and see our family. So um, we're leaving Indy. Thanks to you guys for being part of it. Try the text at six one four three five zero three three one five. Listen to Buckeye Talk five days a week. Again, this is your special Saturday pod. We took off Thursday. We'll be back to the normal schedule next week. And uh, make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. All right. The silence. Anyone else here? A security person came by to see if somebody was still in here. So Okay. So it's just us and security people. We're leaving. Thanks, you guys, for listening. That was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.